Let's face it, living takes guts, and living a full life takes a lot of guts. Igniting Courage podcast is the place you can come to get a blast of courage from real people who are clawing their way through life just like you are. We're going to talk about big courage and also little daily courage. You'll hear people's opinions on how to build courage and how to summon it when you would rather join the circus and never be heard from again. So welcome. I'm glad you had the guts to show up for this conversation. Hey, everybody, and thank you for joining us on Igniting Courage Podcast. I have a fun one for you today. This is our first young person interview. Little Piper Young joined my friend Jess Young in her interview. Piper's two years old, and she joined Jess to have this interview. Piper does a few cameos, but most of it's with my friend Jessica, who in recovering from addiction, bringing a baby into the world and having that journey I knew there was a lot of courage there, and I was so excited to share that journey with you because a lot of people have to deal with that, coming out of a difficult situation and trying to move towards a better place and bring a healthy, happy, well-adjusted human. And uh, I'm sure you'll enjoy listening to Piper pipe in every once in a while, but also hear Jess's courageous journey into a really, really bright future. Enjoy. Welcome to Igniting Courage Podcast. I got my good friend Jess here. Jess, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm really well, thank you. This is actually take two because we had about 20 minutes worth of interview and realized that it wasn't recording. So thanks for the coffee. Let's try it again. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Podcast so, take two. Yes. So Jess, my first, my new first question is just today. It's only 1030 in the morning here. How has courage played a role in your life so far today? Well, I brought a two-year-old to a podcast, and I'm on a podcast, so I'm going to call those both bravery number one and two. All right. Um, Speaking of two, we've got Piper here, our youngest podcast interviewee, Jess's amazing little daughter. And uh, and there she is. So bringing a two-year-old or even having a two-year-old, as far as I'm concerned, is a brave, brave thing. So where is courage? played a role in your life. Where did it kind of show up the big first? Well, the first time, I think it was because I went to England. I was an exchange student um, in 2004. Um, I was 16 years old. Um, I had about four months to prepare myself to move uh, to another continent. It didn't go as planned. I bounced around to from dysfunctional home to dysfunctional home until my best friend's family swooped in and saved me, and I started living with them. It was a wild ride. Yeah. And you grew up in the same place, right? So, I mean, not only moving, but moving to a different continent was kind of a big deal. Yeah. um, I grew up in Hazlitt, Michigan, which is upper middle class. Very, very boring. We'll call it boring. (laughs) At least when I was young, I thought it was boring. I hadn't seen a lot of the world, and going to another country was a big deal. Yeah, how did you feel when you stepped off the plane? Well, before I stepped off the plane, I got on the plane in Detroit, and I cried from Detroit to Chicago. Okay. And then... After That's a short I, flight. So it was a short flight. And after I cried, I and I landed in Chicago, I was so excited. And I just was overwhelmed with how exciting it all was. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that the case, though? It's that first step of courage that's terrifying, and then all of a sudden you're like, whoa, let, we're into it now. Let's yeah. see what this holds. Once once you tip over the precipice and you're falling, there's no 
There's there's no fear left. You're yep. just like, we're doing it. Yeah. We're doing it's it. It's on. You know? So how did that exchange student experience change your you know, your outlook on the world and your your ability to be courageous from there? Well, um, I started moving a lot when I got back. Um, under much pressure by the people who loved me, I finished uh, high school because I was going to leave and get my GED because I knew everything. Oh, yes. Um, but I did graduate. <laughs> so common at 17. <laughs> so common. Especially someone who, you know, traveled the world how I felt. I was a worldly person. I didn't need... <laughs> Didn't need high school. Thank God that I was wrong, and the people who loved me actually loved me. Um, but I started traveling eventually. Before that, in on June 26, 2006, uh, my grandmother passed away, and I kind of immediately flushed my life down the toilet. What do you mean by that? I started drinking. I started using drugs. Uh, I basically gave up, and it was the hardest and darkest time of my life. Mm. I thought that if I moved, it would get better. So I uh, left for Mackinac Island in 2008 and started my career bouncing around and the exciting world of, of uh, hotels and resorts and seasonal life. Which is completely clean cut and free of any drug, alcohol, or illicit sexual behavior. True. Uh, it is the <laughs> only place that you can come out of a blackout at work and just be excited that your pants are on. Oh. <laughs> are you turning on the microwave, buddy? Microwave's on. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> so at some point, that all came to a head I'm sure or it just you ne realized you needed to it really didn't it didn't come to a head I mean it, it should have come to a head when I woke up in a golf course one day or you mean like on the grass yeah part? <laughs> like on the grass part okay. on my way home probably okay I probably just fell asleep and couldn't go anymore mm. um or the day I kicked my roommate's uh radio out the window oh um, I blacked out so often that I used to call it time travel. Oh. It, it didn't really come to a head. I met my husband. We kind of became friends. I was dating a person who was a psycho. Um, that relationship ended. Uh, my husband was a nice person. And still is, in fact. Still is. Still <laughs> is. Uh, that's totally why uh, I married him. He was the nicest <laughs> person I'd ever met. So he came up to help me move my stuff back up to Mackinac, and we have lived together ever since. Aww. And within two months of being together, I quit drinking. Oh, nice. Yeah, um, I quit drinking. Why'd you do that? So the story goes that um, my husband and I were sleeping in a, in a twin bed together, so like octopuses. I used to keep a growler of water next to my bed. I woke up one morning covered in wet and blood, Ooh. and what I had done was I had broken the lip of the growler, and I had scratched my face, and I had gotten us completely covered in blood, and I had wet the, the bed. Um, mm -hmm. And my first thought wasn't apology. My first thought was, how am I going to get away with this? Mm. And it was a game changer. And it's such a such a small thing considering all the other things. Right. 
but it was a real moment with a real person who was so nice that I couldn't lose him. Yeah. But the idea of losing him was overwhelming in that moment, and it made it easier. Hmm. And he was slowing down anyway. We were young in love, and it it was the first time in a really, really long time that I was just happy, and it made it easier. We moved to Utah. We were working at Deer Valley. Hey, buddy, what's that? I think that's glue. <laughs> She'll find it if it's in your house. So So you moved to Utah? Yep, we moved to Utah. Was um, that when you had the farm? No, the farm actually it was in Williamston. Um, the farm was two moves after Utah. Oh, wow. So wait, go back to Utah. So we moved to Utah. Um, I went on a hike. And I broke my leg. Oh, no. Um, I, four days after we moved to Utah. It, it hadn't even snowed yet. So I found myself with a huge break in a wheelchair with air I couldn't breathe. Um, oh, in, yep. And we lived in the valley. We lived in Heber Valley. And we lived at the top. Of, we worked at the top of the mountain. And I found myself completely dependent on my fantastic, wonderful husband who took care of me that entire winter. Um, I gained 100 pounds in sadness Cheetos. <laughs> um, because the only thing you can do when you're living in a shack at the bottom of a mountain is, eat, wheel, yeah. is eat Cheetos and look for moose. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we had a lot of time just to sit and talk and watch and, and watch uh, Steve Carell movies. Which is basically what we did that whole winter. And then we moved back to Flint. And we looked for jobs in the middle of the recession. Which was not a great plan. Mm. Then we moved to Lansing. And lived with my parents for a minute to try and find jobs in Lansing. Then Ryan found a job. And I found a job. And we moved to Williamston. It was five years in Williamston. It was the first place we I put roots down ever. That wasn't... My hometown. Farmer's market eventually happened. Um, I decided that I wanted to go to school. Uh, I wanted to get out of the restaurant industry. I really liked the idea of owning an organic, sustainable bed and breakfast. Oh. So I started creepily walking from, from farm to farm in Williamston. I eventually found Marlene Epley, who is the owner and farmer at Blue Barn Farms. Uh, she's an organic cut flower farmer and uh, free-range organic eggs. She has three mules and a donkey. Floyd is the donkey, and it's Piper's favorite person. Aww. <laughs> um, <laughs> she's already ridden Floyd three times. Floyd is the love of Marlene's life. Aww. I walked up to her property one day, and I awkwardly knocked on her door, and I was like, hi, my name's Jess. Can I help you pick your weeds or something? And she thought that was weird, so she didn't call me back for a while. <laughs> And then spring hit, and the weeds started growing, and she ended up calling me back. Um, I volunteered with her for a while and just learned what she was doing mm -hmm. and about the farm and about growing plants, and I really fell in love. I started going there more and more often. She, she asked if I wanted money, and I told her I didn't. But she eventually got us into the farmer's market because she was the farmer's market master in Williamston. 
she got us to open a bakery stand. Uh, my husband's a pastry chef by education and a savory chef by trade. Mm. So we started making pies at the farmer's market. Uh, well, originally we started making things on sticks. Uh, it was called <laughs> stick food. It was called Stick Bakery. because I thought I was clever. <laughs> um, funny story in the Midwest, no one knows what stick means. So I spent my day at the farmer's market explaining what stick was. And then we stopped serving things on sticks because pies were more profitable. Mm. And then I was stuck with shtick. And we were shtick pies. <laughs> <laughs> we, we did the farmer's market for a couple of years. Um, Williams didn't know it was tough. It was a little town. It, it beat us up pretty bad. Uh, we, we economically couldn't make it. Mm-hmm. Ryan got a job offer up here in Traverse City and he asked me do you want to move to Traverse City and I just started putting things in boxes and he moved he lived in a Craigslist basement uh, with a lady who also had a farm and I spent three weeks packing up our house and moving our cats and finding us a place to live and from there, we we moved to Traverse City, and we've been here since 2016. So three years. Three years. We got pregnant uh, within the first two weeks of being up here, and now we have a piper. Now you have a beautiful little two-year-old. We do. Yeah. So do. did it take any courage to move to Traverse City, or was it, that just kind of like, here it took we go? All, it took all the courage, and it was another move. We thought we were going to stay in Williamston, um, but it just wasn't working out. Nothing worked out for us in Williamston. Mm. But from the moment we stepped foot in Traverse City, it felt like home. It was really sad leaving Marlene and Leo and the farmer's market. It felt like I, as a, as the female of the house, was giving up everything that I had worked for for my husband. But at the time, he was the one that was supporting us. And... I was so afraid that I wouldn't find family here. And that was so demonstrably not true. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's always scary moving. It's always scary making that leap. But you can't dwell on that fear. So you found home here in Traverse City. Now, how did, did. you feel? Because I know Piper was a surprise, a happy surprise. But how did you feel when you found out little Piper was coming? <sighs> Like, my world finally had purpose. Oh. I want to to the mouse. That is a mouse. Is the mouse talking into the podcast? Is the mouse giving an interview? <laughs> I felt like it was perfect. Because we, we had been trying without trying. I always, I always wanted a, a baby, but it didn't work out. You know, I thought that that was what our life was missing. That was what my life was missing. Um, See you. But it didn't happen until it was right. It's been amazing ever since. So where does courage play into this child thing? I mean, this child thing, she's become my world. She gave me the courage to go to Costco to get insurance. She gives me the courage every day to get up. Um, I struggle with anxiety and depression every day. And every day I, you, you live in fear that 
you are going to do a disservice to your child. That you're not doing enough of this or that or fine motor or social skills or cognitive ability or, you know, is she watching too much TV? I gave her a French fry yesterday. (laughs) I mean, you live in fear that you're going to be the one that ruins her life. That they, she's going to look back at her life and go, it was you that was the problem. But I hope that I'm the hardest thing that she has to overcome because I love her so much. And every day is terrifying and fabulous. Being a 32-year-old mom, I'm constantly fighting the wisdom of my parents and the wisdom of science and finding that, that balance from what you feel and what your parents did to you and what all the science says now. Because it was a long time since we were kids. Right. You know, long time. And the science is different now. And you have to figure out what you want to do every day. Whether you want to follow the wisdom that your parents had or whether you want to follow the wisdom that science says. Mm, Yeah. Finding that balance is hard Mm -hmm. and scary. Because if you make the mistake, you know, that that responsibility always comes back on you yeah. as the parent. Well, and I've always thought that is just, you know, the, the guilt that comes along with parenting. Yeah. You know, because, I mean, it's it's amazing. It does take an incredible amount of courage to, you know, especially when you're dealing with anxiety, depression, and it just requires you to constantly know your why. Yeah. Well, and, constant, and especially when you have depression like I do where I huddle. Mm. You know, having depression like I do where you can sit on the couch for 16 hours. You can't do that when you have a two-year-old. But they'll die. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa, you are so crazy today. Thank you. It's fun stuff to look at. <coughs> yeah, they still want breakfast, as a friend of mine once they said. Do. Like, kids, don't let you sit around feeling sorry for yourself. Nope. Yeah. They still want you to read to them. They still want you to play. I, my parents were yellers. And I'm not saying that that's the worst way to grow up, because it's not. But I'm not a yeller. And finding a way to parent without yelling is hard. Mm. And you have to figure out a way to find you in your parenting, if that makes sense. Totally. And it's, it's, you are always forging your own path in the snow. Um, When I quit drinking, I thought that I'm going to quit drinking and my life is going to be better. Yeah, it's going to be perfect. Sunshine and rainbows every day. (laughs) And you realize that once you squish the cranberry sauce, it never goes back to can shape. You're just stuck with the mess that you had before you were a drinker to the mess you had after you were a drinker. And now when you add a little kid to that, it's it's a whole new world. Um, my husband works 80 hours a week. It's it's basically just me. He he does have weekends off, which is nice. But it's the primary caretaker is me. And I work. Hey, hi. <laughs> I wish you were a camera because you're making the cutest faces into the microphone. Where do you think... Courage is going to play a role going forward as she gets older, as... I mean, now is the time that I'm making real changes. 
from the time I quit drinking until the time I got pregnant, I didn't make a lot of improvements. I lived a life day to day, and I, I learned how to make slightly better choices. Mm -hmm. But I didn't work on the meat of the issue. Mm. And now, when you have a tiny child, who is you in miniature, oh. uh, I see my own faults. So now you're making changes. Changes. Big changes. I'm going to counseling for the first time in my life. I'm medicated for the first time in my life, um, which has helped. I mean, I don't think I'm on the right medicine, but I'm on just enough medicine to keep the cats in the bag. Okay. And when you shake the bag, they don't tear out anymore, which is good. Um, and this is for the depression yes, and anxiety. Okay. And anxiety. Uh, mostly I'm anxiety driven. I am taking better care of myself and taking time for myself for the first time ever mm. um, because I realized if I don't, I'm a terrible parent. Well, and that's such an important thing that people don't have the courage to do is to focus on themselves, especially when you got a toddler running around, endangering her life at every every second. Every second. And demanding <laughs> your attention at every second. Yeah. I mean, the demanding your attention, demanding your love, demanding your time, demanding every bit of you, every second of every day. And you have to have the patience. And if you are a bag of cats that gets shaken up every day, you don't have the wherewithal to be there. And I now, I now take that time because I don't want her to end up like me. When I used to, when I was pregnant at the Olive Garden, I don't know if you used to remember this, but when I was pregnant at the Olive Garden, I used to rub my belly and tell her not to work at the Olive Garden. <laughs> Please, Piper, go to college, go to trade school, don't work at the Olive Garden when you're 30. It's all bravery. I couldn't have mustered the courage to leave the Olive Garden and go to Costco if I would have had a, if I wouldn't have had her because I never would have thought that I was worth a better job than what I had. But she's worth a better job. She's worth more security. She's worth more time. Um, and when I when I applied at Costco, I stalked them. I saw the sign. I had written a, a paper about them in college. I put my resume together, and I called them every day. Wow. And I applied every day. And I was the 13th person they hired. I basically begged. I, I had to pull over in my car when they told me that I had an interview to cry because I knew that it was going to be a game changer. And it was terrifying. I sang, did I ever tell you that I sang The Little Mermaid in my interview? <laughs> so uh, she, she asked me, she's like, I see you have bakery experience. Would you like to be in the bakery? And I told her no. She goes, well, what would you like to do? And first I told her that I wanted to be a sample lady because I would be a rockin' sample lady. Because you, and you lady. look amazing in a hairnet. I do look yeah, amazing it's in a true. hairnet. And she did inform me that Costco didn't have Sand. They, they were a different company. So I got nervous, and then I fanned my hand over my face, and I said, I want to be where the people are. As I did it, I immediately thought that I'm not going to get this job. But the joke landed, and they laughed, and I went in for my second interview with the, uh, the general manager, 
and he asked if I could pass a drug test, and I said I could, and he offered me a job. It was it was an amazing experience. I love that story. Yeah, because, no, that's a great story. Especially because you ended up in customer service. I did. Where the people are. Where the people are. <laughs> I ended up in customer service one day because I was selling a gentleman a membership, and the computers were failing because it was a temporary office. And the gentleman started to get upset, and in front of my boss and my boss's boss, I defused the situation. I, I remember saying something like, whoa, whoa, relax. You're at Costco. It's the happiest place on earth. <laughs> and it broke the tension, and he laughed. And from that moment on, I was slated to be customer service at Costco. Um, basically, I bartend the Costco, which yeah. is the best bartending yeah. gig I've ever had. Right, right. Well, and you are perfect for it. And, uh, and every time I see your posts on Facebook that you love where you are, I'm so, I'm so excited for you because you do deserve it. You do. I mean, so does Piper, but so do you. I'm still working on the fact that I deserve it. For now, it's enough for me that Piper deserves it. Yeah. Um, ask my counselor. I'm, I'm getting there. You're working on it. I'm working on it. Well, and it takes guts to do that, too, to say, all right, I got cats in a bag, and I need to get them in the bag. Yeah. You know, that keep takes some guts. Bag. Keep them in the bag. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> if you had, because parenting, I think, is the takes the most courage of all. It's the most terrifying and most wonderful thing you'll ever do. Not that I would know, because I'm only brave enough to have fish. But if you had one piece of advice for those parents in that tough moment where you don't feel like you're doing it right and you don't feel like, you know, what would that piece of advice be? Ask for help. I have built a support system around myself that is foolproof. Um, I was really devoted to the WIC office. It was what we qualified for when I had Piper and the wonderful WIC lady, Nurse Amy, came to my room right before you did, actually. And we... I got involved because I didn't know what I was doing. I was an alcoholic. I was a, a recovering alcoholic. Um, I didn't have the best family history. My husband didn't have a great family history. I had no idea what we were doing, and we asked for help to anyone who would give us help. Um, right now, we already have Piper and Early Head Start. Well, they've been coming to your house for two years, haven't they? Yeah, you know, just about. Yeah, we, we got a hold of Early Head Start, and I uh, just laid my soul bare. I'm like, hey, look, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Um, and by the grace of God, we got in. And they've been coming to see Piper now since she was eight months. Yeah. And I know that scares a lot of people because they're a mandatory court reporter. But they're there to help you. Yeah. I mean, I take every problem I have to Miss Mary Lou. Um, I take every problem I have to my team. And they know. They know that parenting is hard. Yeah. And they, they're there yeah. to help you. We don't take chances and we don't know something we find someone who knows more than us and we ask and that so, takes you know i mean and that takes courage too because parenting people think they should know how to do it you shouldn't know how to do it <laughs> at all you don't know and every kid is different every kid is different um every kid learns differently but every person is different you want to say hi hi good job high five every every moment is different Every day is different, you know, and you don't, there's not one way to do it. There's a jillion ways to do it. 
There's uh, a jillion ways to do it right. Yeah. Which is what we forget. We yes. always worry about doing it wrong. Yeah, and what everyone else is doing and what everyone else's kid is doing. Ah! And you can't, you can't be like that. They're their own special, unique little people. Well, Jess, you're awesome. You've always been awesome. And ever since we worked together over salad and breadsticks, <laughs> I thought you were fantastic. And I'm excited <laughs> to watch this little girl grow up because I know you're doing everything you can to get it right. And it's working because she's kind of awesome. She is pretty awesome. Kind of amazing and perfect. <laughs> you helped me, though. You gave me inspiration in a, in a dark place. When we were at the Olive Garden, granted, the people who worked with us at the Olive Garden were great, but there was no, there was no future at the Olive Garden. There was no, you know, you were just there, mm -hmm. spinning your wheels. It was just, if you've ever read Dr. Seuss, uh, the places you will go, we were in the waiting place, mm -hmm. and you were always there with a smile and a word of encouragement, and, you know... It, it helped. It helped me a lot. It, it did give me the courage to move forward. Because it is easy to be so scared that you bunny. You know, you just freeze yeah. and wait for it to pass you by. You inspired so many of the people who worked there. And it means a lot that you even wanted me to be on your podcast. Or you had any regard on what I have to say. Um, so well, you've always you. said, you're welcome, and you deserve it, and you've always had wonderful things to say. Most of the time. Well, <laughs> the other times, we're just having fun with it. <laughs> so, Jess, thank you so much for your honesty and your courage, and your two-year-old, who I think is fantastic, and is in there doing something in the office, so hopefully she'll get some more She's making me. calls. Yeah. She's, a, she's a very busy businesswoman <laughs> making very busy business things. Hello, businesswoman. All right, well, thank you so much, and I wish you and Ryan and Piper the best of everything. Thank you. You want to say bye, Piper? Say bye. Bye. <laughs> hey, don't pick your boogers. <laughs> <laughs>